Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into episode number 97 of the Get Around. My name is Jake Adnip. I will be your host today, joined in the podcast studio by the one and only James Cook. We just got a tandem today. Yeah, it's just me just and you. Tandem. Yeah, we kind of just told Harrison we didn't need him today because we had a great interview. And that's, yeah. the interview kind of mucked up the time that we record usually. It was a little bit earlier than normal, but I mean, we can just talk about that real quick. We had Petoskey's Ashley Lamb and T- Traverse City Central's Emlyn Munch, both of their number one golfers this season, in for an interview that was fantastic. An even better tandem. Yeah, yeah. And they, they've played against each other quite a bit this year. They've faced off in the regional final in which it was only decided by one stroke. So had a really good conversation with them. But, yeah, just me and James in the podcast studio for episode number 97 ahead of golf state finals this weekend, tennis state finals coming up this weekend. We have a few other big things to talk about that happened last weekend and what's coming up this weekend. We'll get to that stuff in the pulse. We have the interview, as I mentioned. We'll get the people fed. We have another inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. Since there is only two of us, James and I have decided to each put up two athletes and nominate two athletes for this week before we take a vote. Uh, so there'll be four people selected or chosen as players of the week sort of deals. And then we're going to get into the trifecta, which I wanted to ask James, if, if only one sport was to survive in the United States of America, which sport would you want it to be and why? Ooh. So we'll get to that later. But just to start off with, the weather's getting cold. We just talked to these golfers who golfed out in the hail and sleet today. Uh, do you think that's going to play a big role this weekend come golf state finals, tennis state finals? I hope not. It's supposed to be a little better this weekend, I believe. Um, last year, golf finals was, that weekend was awful. I mean, the weather down there was just, it was brutally cold. There was hail there at the at the Division One finals that I was at. They had to stop play two, two different times because of that. Yeah. It wasn't any lightning. It was it's just almost, that the hail was coming down so hard. Almost anything could be better than what it was last year. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we do have several several teams in both tennis and golf heading to the state finals. We can talk about them in just a second, but but this uh, this episode of the Get Around brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. That's going to lead us into the pulse where we put the our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world. And it's kind of hard not to know what the heartbeat of the sports world up here in northern Michigan was last weekend. We talked about it a lot last week. But Glen Lake and Kingsley, I kind of want to say it did not disappoint, but it kind of did disappoint because it wasn't quite the game we thought it was going to be. But what it ended up being, Kingsley, number four Kingsley in Division uh, 5, routed number one Glen Lake in Division 6, 53-14. to The game was closer to begin with than it seems, but one sequence changed the whole thing. Um, First of all, I know you weren't there, but... 53-14, Fifty-three to fourteen. You look at that on paper. How we were so wrong last week. I, I was watching your tweets and I was just like, "Oh, I, we are going to catch such crap for this." But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not expect that at all. Uh, you know, I was over at the St. Francis game taking pictures for the first half of the game. When I when I walked into the press box, there was like two or three people in the press box that turned around and they were like, "Why are you here?" <laughs> and it's like, eh, "Let Jake go." Yeah, Jake. Know? Jake's out there, but. I mean, but, fifty-three but, to fourteen. Yeah, that is complete. Just completely shocking. I wasn't there, so I don't. I, you know, I don't know. I guess as much as you, but I'm just like, like did the did the crappy weather take to a that much of uh, Not Glenn Lake's passing game away? Because they'd like to throw the ball a lot. No, I mean, the, I guess I would say that they didn't throw the ball as much as you probably would have expected because of the weather. But when they did it properly, it worked. Mm-hmm. When they made the when they executed properly, it worked. But some underthrows, a couple bad routes, or even just really good coverage by Kingsley really mucked up a few of those passing attempts. I mean, Reese Hazelton did throw two interceptions, one of them which was just a bomb at the end of the first half that they were trying to get something on the board after going down 24 points. Um, but And that just kind of ended the half, so that's kind of, of a wash. But Aiden Mullen had an interception in the first quarter that Kingsley turned around and turned into a score to make it 14-0 to zero, uh, right at midfield. So those were the type of mistakes that I don't know it was quite the weather as much as uh, the playmaking ability of either team. You know, Coach Jerry Andrews said that his team just did not execute. And there was uh, some obvious points in which you could see that the execution wasn't happening, especially when it came to their run game. The passing game, they had it, they had it ha- happen here or there. They had the two passing touchdowns. The one, oh, my God, what a great catch by Finn Hogan. Like, bam. I- 
fantastic. I saw that video that Harrison got of it, man. Yeah. And, man, wow. Yeah, Owen Graves went up, tipped the ball right at the goal line. It bounced, like, off of Owen Graves' helmet, off of Finn Hogan's left shoulder, over his helmet where he bo- bobbled it into his right hand, bobbled it two or three times, and then fell down in the back corner of the end zone with the ball. And I, I swear, I was in the press box, and I stood up, and I was looking, and I was just like, I looked at everybody in the press box, I was like, this is the one time I wish I was standing in the rain, so I would have been down there to get that picture, just so I could have seen that, like, up close. I wish I was out there standing in the rain. But nonetheless, I mean, what really happened in that game was the last two minutes of the first half. Kingsley, Kingsley was only up uh, by eight points, which was, uh, yeah, Kingsley was up 22 to 14 when Glenn Lake scored that last touchdown with a minute 59 left. Kingsley came down scored. The ensuing kickoff was pushed up to the 50 because of an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty by Glenn Lake on the two-point conversion. And then they kicked it high. Wet ball slipped through their hands. Kingsley recovers it on the 10 two plays later. Payson Caballero takes it in and all of a sudden it's from an eight-point lead to a 24-point lead in literally a snap of the fingers. They went into the locker room and I could, I could imagine what the difference would have been like had it been eight points and had it been 24 points, even just the mood in the locker room at halftime. But the second half, Kingsley came out and dominated the entire second half. Glenn Lake did not move the ball. They didn't even as much as sniff the end zone in the second half. Got to the 40, you know, at one point they, they went for like a fourth and five that they didn't get on the on inside of the 40, and it was like this just, it just wasn't working out. We talked a lot about Kingsley's speed versus Glenn Lake's size last week, and me, mm-hmm. you, and Harrison all thought that the size was going to really – caused some problems for Kingsley. I literally think that it was complete 180. The speed caused way too many problems for Glenn Lake's offensive line. They were too fast for how big Glenn Lake's offensive line was. They were getting around the edges, and and I was even surprised with the Kingsley offensive line against the Glenn Lake defensive line. They were getting a push. They, they had their backs hitting those angles, hitting that six holes, hitting off the edge, and they weren't getting touched for three, four yards. Or Owen Graves, one of the reasons why Owen Graves went off for five touchdowns in that game is because he had space to work. He would get the ball out in space and would be able to go around people. You know, he wouldn't have to go through the tackles or go through people. He had space to work, and then he used his speed and his agility, and he made a lot of those Glen Lake defenders on a couple different plays look pretty silly with, with some juke moves. And Well, I was, I was talking to Mark about the game um, who was there, and, and he was saying that... Uh, Shout out Mark Urban, by the way. Yeah, that, that Glen Lake was really keying on Aiden Mullen. And just aiming to take him out of the game, which they kind of largely did. Oh, they did. He didn't do anything, really. But then Owen Graves just steps right up. Yeah. You know, plus you got Caballero in the zone. And Caballero, and this was a quote that I put in my story, which, you know, when I hear something like this from a coach, especially somebody like Tim Wurr, who's been doing this for a really long time, he brought up the blocking of his backs, and in particular, Pace and Caballero. And he said that in 29 years of coaching football, Pace and Caballero is the best blocking back that he's ever had. I mean, the kid runs with force regardless. You give him the ball, he's a good running back. But when you're in that wing tee and you have somebody like that, he's got to weigh over 200 pounds. He's a pretty thick kid. Um, you got a kid like that who's fast enough and can block coming out on that first that first rung of the wing tee to lead block for an Aiden Mullen or an Owen Graves who is that fast. That gets pretty dangerous, and I think that's what they used. They really did mix it up. Owen had some carries. Payson had some carries. Aiden did kind of get taken out of the game, but that didn't matter, you know? Yeah, they had the weapons to make up for it. Um, and, and the other thing is, is you know, Glen Lake's defense just did not do what it, what it had been doing. Tyler Intizone went 10 for 10 passing. I mean, a lot of them were designed play-action rollouts with short, but still, in, you know, I can't say that the weather did that much to Glen Lake's passing because Kingsley still went 10 for 10. You know, they, yeah. just, they just made the plays when it had to happen. Yeah, the, the, a lot of your, a lot of your, uh, your passing out of the wing tee is, is play-action rollouts mm-hmm. like that. I mean, it's just, that's the what that's, generally what you do unless you have somebody yeah uh, you know a special wide receiver or something like mm-hmm. that or uh, a quarterback who can take a six step drop and get it 50 yards downfield yeah but yeah i i mean that was the first time i actually got to cover glen lake or kingsley football in person as well and you know i've seen well i guess i did see kingsley one time last year but glen lake at least you know i've seen some things that i i had preconceived notions of from you and brett and what you guys have told me and i actually got to see them in action and you know, some of the reasons why Kingsley is so good, I, I got to see that this weekend. And to be honest with you, a, a, there's not just a, a lot, but a lot of it is the play calling that works. It's, it's timely play calling, and the kids execute when it needs to be done. Glenn Lake, I, I still think that Glenn Lake has a very, very good shot in Division Six. I don't think that this really, you know, not, it doesn't really knock them down. They probably won't be that number one ranking 
uh, this week after kind of getting sloshed a little bit. But does just one question out of this, now that we've seen this game that we've talked about all year, we, we I think we actually pegged Glen Lake as our state title or state finalist favorite at the beginning of this year. We saw this now. Does this change your mind at all? Do you think that Kingsley's our best shot? Well, I think uh, I think for the beginning, we kind of thought that it was a 1A, 1B thing with King, Glen Lake and Kingsley, and that's why this game was circled on everyone's calendar. Um, you know, with that said, Kingsley obviously took a step in front of Glen Lake in that regard, I believe. Um, I still think that Glen Lake can be a team that can make noise in the playoffs and make a long run. You know, they've done it before. They were in the state championship game just a, f- a few years ago. You know, it, once you get to the grind of the playoffs, too, having those big bodies up front is going to serve them well. Um, when know, it's maybe, cold maybe, and snowy. Maybe, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, maybe they learn how to do things a little differently to maybe make sure that teams can't do to them what Kingsley did. But like you said, it was a pretty close game there until that one yeah. two-minute, that one two-minute stretch where everything fell apart. Yeah, and it was, and that's a, and that's the thing is, and I, I don't, I really don't know that Kingsley did anything exemplary to throw Glen Lake off their game, because there, there just there weren't blocks being made, there were passes being dropped, you know, there were holes being missed. Um, I mean, even sometimes on Glen Lake's play action, it didn't even seem like their offensive linemen knew where the like who got the ball. You know, somebody would get tackled in the backfield, and then everybody would be 10 yards downfield and be like, yo, where's the ball at? Um, and there's somebody tackled five yards behind. So I think, I think it did have a lot to do with, with the mental piece for, for Glen Lake. But, yeah, like I said, I, don't, I still think there's still a powerhouse. They're still going to be able to, to make some pretty big waves here in the next couple of weeks. But that's going to do it for Kingsley Glen Lake. We do want to talk more about tennis and golf state finals this week. I got a couple questions for us, James. Uh, we're going to go with tennis first. Who has the best chance to bring back a title? Traverse City West, Traverse City Central, or Traverse City St. Francis? To win a title, uh, it's got to be St. Francis, I think, um, just because of the division mm-hmm. and, and how they've consistently been up there and close. You know, we we were saying, you know, I, I don't know if this team is better than the ones in, in recent years, but you know, they're right there, I think. And St. Francis teams for the last five, six, seven years have been. Top five. Yeah. Top three. Um, top two. Yeah. And, you know, West is a little new to this. Um, you know, Central, you know, Central just doesn't have the team that I think that they've They have had. in the past, yeah. Um, I'm comfortable with saying that. Yeah. Uh, um, so, you know, West is obviously a better chance than, than Central. Mm-hmm. I just think that's just common sense. Yeah. They've, they've beaten them a couple they've times in the, in the season this year. They, they won the Big North Conference. Just given division, the difference between Division One and Division Four, it's so hard to win Division One. It's yeah. so ridiculously hard to win Division yeah. One. I know, I know their goals for top five. That's what they were looking for. Yeah, and tennis is tennis is one of those sports like hockey get... and soccer where it's it's one of those sports where it's you're either a have or a have not. And okay. It's hard to change. It, it it it's it's very incremental to go from one to the other. It usually doesn't happen overnight. Um, you know, I mean, we saw that. You know, maybe with, like, Leland Soccer. It took them a long time to get over that hump of just being a good team from up here to winning a state title. Yep. And, and that just didn't happen overnight. So I think it's the same thing in, in, in tennis and, you know, and hockey. You've, you've seen it's it's the same teams almost every year. Yeah. But out of those out of those three teams, do, do you think there could be any individual state champions? I've, I've said it on this podcast seven times. I, I might be eight. We'll make it eight. I think that the one doubles flight at West of Eduardo Gonzalez and Will Crick can and will win a state title this year. Yeah, I think they've got to definitely have a good chance. I think you'll see somebody from St. Francis uh, is always up there, if not winning a state title, getting to the finals, maybe you know, playing that number one seed in the finals and taking them to you know extra sets or something. But um, you know, you always see somebody from St. Francis make a nice run, and I think that'll continue this year. You'll have, you'll have somebody in there. All right. We got to go over to the golf finals now. We did talk to a, a couple of the best golfers in the area here today at the Get Around, but one that we have not mentioned and will mention again, Traverse City West, Ansi D, then Petoskey's Ashley Lamb, and Traverse City Central's Emlyn Munch. So that would be the top three golfers in the, in the BNC. Who are you most excited to see perform this weekend at golf finals? I mean, you're going down there. So who are you most excited to see perform and – I mean, I, I don't want to be like this, but I do think that, you know, Ansi has the best chance of bringing back hardware here. 
yeah, of, of being the champion, I think, definitely. Um, I, I think you could see all three of those in the top ten, possibly. Uh, um, you know, Ashley Lamb has been right up there all season. Um, Emlyn Munch has not been far behind her. And, and Just a stroke and, or two. And in their, uh, in their practice for that round they played today, Emlyn beat her by several strokes, actually, in that. You know, so the golf, I think, is more of an any given Sunday type of thing than other sports to an extent. But I think Ansi is the one that people are almost taking it to the bank. Yeah. I think. And that's got to be a lot of pressure for her. Yeah, especially because it, especially because she actually hasn't done it before. She hasn't done it's it her before. Sister who has? Yeah, and it's and, and yeah, it's the lineage, you know, the, the the expectations that she takes up right where Annika left off, mm-hmm. um, and that's just got to be a lot of pressure. So uh, I'll be interested to talk to her on Saturday after her round. See how that goes. See how that goes. Yeah, no, I'm definitely I'm definitely excited to see. I, I you know just to see exactly what benchmark she sets for herself this year for next year. We've still got another full year. Still gonna gonna get better. I it, it just it seems like natural progression at this point. Mm-hmm. I I wonder you know can she set that bar like her sister did in her younger career? You know now now with Annika out of the way, she can take that hold on to it and defend it next year. Um, yeah, not only the state title but Miss Golf. Yeah, I mean that's got to be something that she's targeting too. Yeah, she's been. I mean, and if you win Division One. That's pretty close. That's you, you got to be the front runner for that, especially yeah. winning. You know, if you win Division One and win it on a tough course mm-hmm. like Forest Acres West, the people that get to choose that gotta gotta take those things into consideration. All right, one more thing to add into the pulse. Got the heart beating over here. Sutton's Bay and Onekama football round two is this weekend. We already saw it happen once—a twenty to fourteen win for Sutton's Bay. But this one's for the conference. This is the one that matters. That was kind of just a warm up. It's an exhibition of sorts. Yeah, some sort of. Now, do you think it's harder to beat the same team twice, like Sutton's Bay, or do you think that it's hard? It's harder to come back against a team that has already beaten you. I think, in, especially in a sport like football, in such a physical sport like football, I I think playing the same team twice in one season is has got to be difficult because there's so much scouting, there's so much tape that the team that lost can pour through that and correct a lot of things. Whereas the team that won. I think kind of maybe has the the, the, the attitude of yeah of uh, you know going in and the players are like oh we we'll beat we beat these guys once already you know we'll just we'll just do the same thing <laughs> the, yeah. the other team's gonna rest gonna, on your laurels or? the other team's gonna change something yeah so so you're gonna have to adjust I mean a close game nonetheless the first time around like I said twenty to fourteen uh, who who are we gonna look at to win that conference and win that game this weekend I mean given that. I think if I had to pick one of the two, I would I would say Sutton's Bay, and part of that is just because uh, they've played a really good schedule. They've they've had more big games, you know. Onekama had that one against Sutton's Bay, yeah. And then most of the rest of their schedule has been games that they've won pretty easily, whereas Sutton's Bay had also that game against Gaylord St. Mary. Mary. That was extremely close, you know, a one point game. So it basically came down to Gaylord St. Mary. Uh, you know, it came down to conversions. Yeah, is what really decided that game. I mean, the game played between the between the threes. Yeah, or whatever <laughs> between the numbers. And it was pretty was pretty even, but it, it just came down to who converted more conversions. And they both kicked a bunch. Okay. But they went for a, a few in the second half. They started doing some two point conversions. And yeah, trying to throw everybody off. St. Mary came out with one more. Well, I I'm gonna go with Sutton's Bay as well. I like I like the play that Bryce Opie and Lucas Mike have been on lately, both offense and defensively. Um, I mean, we know Aaron Powers, we know Luke Montler, we know those guys have a lot of talent and a lot of skill out at Onekama. Yeah. But like you said, we've talked about Sutton's baby, and I think we thought that they were a little bit better than Onekama all year this year. Kind of not going to change that because they haven't shown me otherwise. The one point loss to Gaylord St. Mary just shows me that they're just as good as advertised. And this is the one that's really for the bragging rights. Yeah, I mean, this, this, one, this one counts ten. in the standings. And this yeah, one has you got a title con- attached to it. Yep. And, uh, you know, yeah, like his, Bryce Opie and Lucas Mikesell are just two game changers in, in that. I mean, they. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, Bryce Opie's like, what, six foot three, and he plays safety for them? And quarterback. Yeah. yeah like. And, uh, you know, and they've both just uh, kind of etched themselves into the record books at Sutton's Bay, too. I mean, they're all over the football record books now. All right. Well, that is going to do it for the Pulse. Sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app.
That's going to move us into our interview, a fantastic one if I do say so myself, with Petoskey senior Ashley Lamb and Trevor City Central senior Emlyn Munch ahead of the Gulf State Finals this weekend. We had them join us in the podcast studio after their round on Monday at the Trevor City Country Club, so let's go ahead and give that a listen now. All right, we are very excited to welcome into the Get Around Podcast studio Petoskey senior Ashley Lamb and Traverse City Central senior Emlyn Munch, uh, two golfers who uh, were just, they actually just finished up at the Traverse City Country Club uh, on Monday, but are looking ahead towards states, uh, actually based off in the regional last week. So thank you guys both for joining us. Yeah, thank yes, you. Thank you for having us. Of course. Now, it is a little bit different having people from different schools in here, but one of the things that sparked that uh, that thought for us was that regional final that you guys played in last week. I want to start off there because we're going to go into states later, but uh, Petoskey only won by one stroke. Um, got that regional title over Central. Uh, that That's pretty tightly contested for especially that high level of a tournament and for it just to be a regional match. Um, I, I'll start over with Ashley, the winning side. It's nothing against you, Emily. Okay. Nothing against you. But uh, when, you were, when you guys were in that tournament, especially when you guys are your top golfers for each one of your teams, how much, do you, how much pressure do you put on yourself to uh, you know, really lower your score, especially when you know it's going to be that close? In terms of like our team, for golf, it's mainly an individual sport. You think of like all the other sports as being like team-based. And for golf, it's usually individual and so um I don't know I just try and kind of like keep my cool keep my calm and see like if putts start dropping or anything and no but I always like tell myself stay patient and things will happen of course I mean for you when you're out on the course I know I know Lois tries to keep you guys a little bit updated tries to tell you exactly what you need to do to to kind of get one up um how much did you feel having to try and you know shave a stroke or here or there to really get over that because it technically would have been two strokes to win the regional yeah i mean i personally put a lot of pressure on myself and i try to lessen that when i'm out there and like i got really lucky and got to play with ashley at the regional we always keep each other in check but i didn't feel so much pressure to lower my score i just wanted to stay consistent with what i was shooting most of the season so that i could give our team a chance to get to state finals and i felt like if i played one of my better rounds or even if i stayed consistent that i would still be a part of my team and bring in a good score now post-match do do you guys as individual golfers look back and say, I knew, I know I could have had that one stroke back. That always, 100%. Always. <laughs> and it sucks. And it like, really you know does. which one it is. Oh, yeah. You? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean, even the last hole, I remember um, when we walked up and saw the scoreboard, we were like, okay, so it's just that one stroke, and then your number five came in with a 109, and like, like you just needed the one time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fine. But I would just think back and think back to 18. Like if I just had made my bogey putt, <laughs> it would have been there. Bogey putt. Yeah, <laughs> just a bogey putt. And that's what you think all the time. I mean, are you so when you're golfing like that in like a regional or a tournament like that? Are you kind of competing against the person like the number one golfer from the other team, or are you just trying to compete against the person, the people in your group, and get a better score? Or are you just like, I'm just gonna go out here and do what I do? It depends on the day, but usually I don't try to compete with the people in my group because that puts me mentally off my game and then I don't play as well so I just try to I guess compete with myself in the sense that I just want to do better than I did last time or uh, have a different goal each time instead of rather than competing with mm-hmm. the number other number ones yeah I try and focus on the team as a whole I mean it, it is important to consider yourself individually but I believe that you know like you're you are there to support your team and team especially senior year you know you want to like try and take your team to the states or win a tournament or something and I think if you mentally put yourself there wholly um I think in the end it'll just like come all together what do you now I know that especially in a golf swing the little tiny things that you're talking about that is what matters that is what's going to make you good or not what was the hardest thing for each of you to kind of fix in your, your natural swing or the way that you first started to get to the point where you are now? Actually, this weekend, I found that my swing was too shallow, meaning that I was taking it back and it was uh, 
not going over my toe line, like my the angles were incorrect, so I was like holding it behind, I, behind my shoulder. Um, so all my ball flights were more left than I wanted them to be. So like I just did different drills to try to bring that, um, like to make the angles correct in my backswing, and then everything else will fall into place. And another thing that I struggled with from the beginning was uh, not just flipping my hands or just dropping and just not even swinging at it. But uh, that's gotten a lot better since freshman year. And what about you, Ashley? Yeah, I think for me, I've always been struggling with this from the very beginning to now. Um, my ball has a flight that it goes straight, then it curves to the right. So, and that's a factor of swinging too far out to the right and not closing or not rotating your hands over far enough. And so um, that causes like bad um, drives and getting into trouble. And that's something that I struggled with today in my tournament. But um, it's definitely taken, I mean, it's not easy. I mean, it's said to take about a thousand swings to change something. And um, yeah, so I've been struggling with that for a while, but you know, it comes and goes. I mean, when you're under pressure too, I tend to not finish my swing, which causes me not to rotate my um, lower arm or my forearms over. So, is this this all goes on in your head right when you're trying to hit a golf ball? Yes. Every yeah. little piece of this, it's just like a little map. Yes. Well, I try not to think about it because, like today, for example, um, I kept on trying to think like forearms over my toe line, like make sure the angles are correct. But at some point, you just have to say, okay, this is my swing, this is what it is for today, and just trust it and go with it and play the shots that you're going to be playing. Because when you tend to like overthink it too much, oh gosh, yes. it just becomes a hundred times worse. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. especially today, we can probably both oh, yeah. agree that when when the going gets tough, you just try and overthink everything and then yeah. you just try and fix your swing and that's the last thing you want to do honestly yeah. you just want to kind of chill out free your mind and not especially like mid-round oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. you oh. don't want to try to fix your fix your swing I mean you could think about oh what's going wrong but you could just be like okay let's go back to the basics what does my coach tell me what are some key things that we always reiterate and think about when we're out here but you just I think the main thing for me is trusting my swing Trusting what I have and just go with it. And if it's going left, play the left shot. I mean, if it, then if it goes right, play the right shot. Might, I don't know. That might be some really good advice because what will happen, what, the first four drives will go 55 yards sliced off the fairway to the right. And I'm like, you know, I can fix this. And then I'll try and do it. It doesn't work. And then eventually by like the 12th hole, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to start aiming to the left. Right. And we'll mm -hmm. figure this out later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the ball That's goes, the way I'll to do it. it. Yeah. yeah. So, so when, you do, when you do tinker with your, your swing or anything, how long does it usually take you if, if you're like, okay, i got to fix this one little thing? How long does it take you before you're before that's kind of the natural part of your swing again, and then maybe you can move on to tinkering with some other little piece? But It definitely depends on the day. Yes. So, um, you know, if it's a bad day and you're trying to work too hard at it, usually when you work too hard, you know, at golf, it doesn't come easy. And... Um, at least for me, you know, it could take a couple months, it could take a week, it could take a couple days. It depends on the certain aspect that you're working on, um, how specific it is to your swing. It just depends on your mood or how you're feeling that day, honestly. Well, how yeah. often do you guys play? Like, how many how, swings how a week? How frequently, yeah. I play almost every day. I, yeah, I like try as much as possible. Oh, yeah. not a full round, no. Yeah. Um, like, practice, so... Um, I'm also involved in the musical, so I'll have musical rehearsal on different scheduled days and then have golf practice on other ones, but after rehearsal, I'll go for like an hour or two hours to go practice. And then I have scheduled um, practices on the weekends with a group of people who go to the same uh, private swing coach that I do. And so, and then Sundays we all play. We play for like four hours and just okay. have fun. But... So lots and lots and lots of golf. Oh, yeah. yeah. You said it takes a 1,000 <laughs> swings to fix something. Do you guys think yes. you do more than a 1,000 swings in a week? Mm, I don't know. I think in terms of, like, if there's, like, two tournaments that week and then practice, I definitely think so. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, it d definitely depends on, like, how often you're practicing, how long the practices are, if you're with your swing coach or not. Right. Because I'm just thinking about going to the range and hitting a large bucket of, like, whatever, 120 balls. And I get, like, I'll try to get a second one of those, and, like, it's just not happening. You get some, yeah. like, 200 <laughs> swings in a day, and it's just, like, 
man, my body hurts. Yeah, yeah. You gotta listen to your body too. Like if you're not feeling it that day, or if your part of your body is hurting. Like I, I last um, last year I had some wrist issues, so I wouldn't work as hard, but just work on simpler things, uh, like chipping or putting that I could not hurt myself in doing, and just take it easy. But it just definitely depends on the day for me how much I want to work, and I always have a goal too. So. Um, sometimes I'll work on yardage control or sometimes I'll work on direction or sometimes I'll work on my alignment. Like if I try to do all of them at once, sometimes I don't get everything that I want accomplished. So I set small goals so that I can get what I want accomplished. How often do you have people that just, that you, that aren't on the team or anything like that that just come up to you and are like asking advice, asking golf advice? I would say a fair amount, um, I sometimes feel like girls on our team are kind of nervous to come up and ask, um, especially the freshmen this year. Um, they're intimidated. And, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, I want them to feel the opposite. I want them to come up to me and I want them to ask me for advice because I've been, I've been there. I was a freshman and I felt intimidated. Um, Grace Kelbel, she, um, she went to state finals her senior year and she was in a playoff and I was intimidated by her, but I, I really do wish I went up to her and asked her questions and really got to know her because forming that relationship um, would have really, like, allowed me to learn more about her and how she thinks of the game and her tactics. And how, about, how often does it happen, though, when it's, like, you know, two dumb dudes and, like, a guy in their <laughs> 20s and a guy in their 40s? <laughs> is, it weird, is it weird if adults or like, is it weird if adults ask you for advice on how to golf? Or how often do they get your dad? Huh? Does he ever, like, beat your dad and he gets mad about it? <laughs> he doesn't get mad about it. It's more like, really? <laughs> You've been playing for four years. I've been playing all my life kind of thing. Yeah, I, but, I, I would be intimidated if you guys were shooting 81. I wouldn't want to golf with you if you're shooting 81s. I'm just going <laughs> to be mad. You're going to be sitting there, like, eating Cheetos all day while I'm running through the woods for a golf ball. So. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of waiting. Yeah, I can see that. That's why that's why when we do golf part or cart partner golf together, it works well because we both suck. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so I wanted to talk. Um, or I wanted to actually ask both of you guys. Uh, we kind of talked about what it's like when you get frustrated on the golf course and how you kind of have to, you know, shake that off. I want to ask you guys what it feels like when you're in a groove. When it seems like every shot you're hitting is where you want it, and you know, it even they may even end up better than where you thought you were going to hit it. How does that, how do you keep that rolling? And then, you know, for me, it's only one shot that I'm just, I'm done. It's over. <laughs> I could four straight holes. I got like two pars and a birdie. It's great. And then I hit an eight and my round's over. But how do you kind of I was gonna keep ask that you, ride? I was going to ask you how, what does that feel like? Because I don't, I don't think I've ever yeah. experienced that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've had a few, I've had a few holes, but I mean, like just, you just had a career low, what, 10 days ago? You were a low medalist uh, last weekend. Was that right? Um, was that right? The 79? Was that your career low or no? Oh, it wasn't my career okay. low, no. My career low is uh, 73. I shot oh, it at Curry okay. um, West in the summer and August okay. for one of the tournaments. But, yeah, last weekend I shot 80 and then 78 for the Khaki Classic tournament. Right, that's yeah. right. And then, I mean, but how, how does that feel when you're on a roll and you're golfing like Tiger Woods looks like he does all the time? How does that feel? Yeah, so a really good example of this was during regionals. So I started off on the front, did absolutely awful shot 42 and I'm like you know what and I'm 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 usually the one to be like okay you know this is over like I'm done I'm like I'm not even gonna try at this point but I finally I finally told myself like you know what let's try and like get this groove back and I came back and I shot 36 even par on the back and I think that really was a testimony to say that you know what like the going can get tough but you're tougher than that and um I try and, like, block out everything around me. And, like, Emlyn can probably admit to this, but, like, I don't usually talk on the golf course a lot, especially, like, when I'm upset. I just, you know, push my golf cart, and I don't talk to anyone. Like, even my coaches, I shoo them away. I'm like, no, I just need to calm down, get my breath, take everything easy. And um, so I think that's how I usually take things, like, under stress or when I'm upset, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, when I'm in a groove, I try to remind myself – to, like, not get ahead of myself because, like, sometimes I'm in such a groove. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm only, like, even right now. <laughs> but I just have to remind myself that it's one shot at a time. Take 
each, like take each shot and take your time because sometimes I get rushing sometimes. I really just am patient with it and also what helps me is to walk taller, like to have the posture that you're doing well um, and just sort of have a positive mindset. So like if let's say you're in a groove and then you hit one right of like right of the green and it's not on the green in two like it has been the rest of the round and you get upset about it like you can't you have to let those things go like you just have to let it go immediately and just keep on grinding it out because like when you're in that groove I mean it feels really good because and also you keep your pace of play to usually play really quick one of my best rounds um I shot with Annika and I remember we played in three hours 18 holes in three hours yeah walking <laughs> walking yeah. no cart no cart um, yeah. And we all shot pretty well. And it was just, when you're in that groove, you just go really quick. But it's not like you're swinging quick. You're just moving, like, to well, your you don't rhythm. Find, you ain't got to find your balls in the woods. Yeah, that's true. Or them out of the wall. That's true. Or, or rake the sand bunkers. <laughs> it's usually it's pretty good. Do you guys think it's easier for one shot to ruin a round or one shot to make a round? One shot to ruin a round. Yeah. For oh. sure. Oh, yeah. Because we've both been there. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, I yeah, think that's that, what happened to me at regionals, actually. <laughs> see, that's the other thing is when you're good at golf, that's the difference. When yeah. you suck at golf, I'm like, I get so frustrated all the time that, dude, it takes one good shot of like three whole rounds of golf. And I'm like, dude, it's been a successful month. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I put it within two feet on a par three. It was a great day. Yeah, I yeah. yeah, I'll have that one time. I shot like 124, but I had that one hole where I was on in two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I can imagine when I get in the groove. I always think that I can hit my clubs a lot farther than I can. Mm-hmm. Even though I usually can hit them pretty hard. It's like, oh, yeah, here, let's take this three wood and try and hit it 300 yards. Good call. <laughs> Doesn't work out. I'm the opposite. I'm like, I'm like I'm, I am like, golf with my friend Clay a lot. And I, you know, I know he hits farther than I do. So I'm like, what'd you hit on that shot? And he'd be like a seven iron. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to hit a six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I'm in that groove, I become more aggressive with my shots because I feel more confident in what – my swing is and how I'm playing, and so, like, I'll just go more aggressive and at the pin. Yeah, and honestly, like, I get so focused. I don't eat. I don't talk to anyone. I, like, it honestly feels like there's just the golf course and me, and it's the weirdest feeling ever, and I don't know how to describe it, but it's, like, I don't, yeah, it's really hard. It's just. So do you compete against yourself or the golf course at that point? I would say the golf course, honestly, because if I were to compete against myself, myself would be, like, not doing well. Like, I would be Mm -hmm. down on myself. Yeah, you just have to play what the golf course gives you. And when you're in that good groove, you're playing what it gives you very well. (laughs) So when you're playing just for the heck of it, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe out with some friends or, or whatever, just, you know, it's not a high school thing or anything, do you guys still walk or do you use a cart? I know I asked, um, I talked to Winton at, mm-hmm. the, at the Open, and he was like, he never uses yeah, a cart. They, they, could, they could use a cart at the Michigan Open, and he's like, no, I want to walk. Yeah, that would throw me off. I, whenever I play, um, we have, when we have these scheduled practices every week, we always walk. And I don't know, it just feels better. I don't know, because you can, you, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but... He was saying that you have time to, like, think about your next yeah, show. Yeah, like, exactly. It off. You yeah. have time to shake it off, and you have time to just sort of walk it off. I mean, yeah. I, I like it a lot better because with a cart, it sort of throws off your rhythm. And you're practicing, you're practicing like you're going to play in a right. tournament. I mean, it's so different because when you're in a cart, it's just everything is such at a faster pace, like, and you have to go to the back of the cart to get your clubs and whatever. And when you're walking and stuff, everything's, like, right there. And... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a different feel. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you're hitting when you're hitting the ball well, does it matter whether you're hitting a two hundred dollar driver or a five dollar garage sale driver? I mean, as long as it fits you and your specs and everything, mm-hmm. then I think it works. I mean, I like you can have the top of the line driver or like bottom line driver. I think as long as it fits you and it works for you, then it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, like, I would say, like, for my driver, like, it has a twistable face on it, so you can, like, adjust it depending on, like, what your miss is. I think that honestly helps me. Um, yeah. But when it when it comes to, like, standards and the basic stuff, I do agree that, like, honestly, any club, if you're Tiger Woods or not, 
I mean, you can hit whatever club and you hit guys, it solid. Do you guys feel the same way about golf balls? No. No, see, no not at all. The balls um, matter. Oh, yeah, so I used to play Titleist DT True Softs, and I switched to uh, Titleist Pro V1Xs, and I noticed, like, complete difference. It's like day and night because you get more spin, your ball sticks a lot better, and, um, like, my ball compresses more, which makes go farther, it yeah. makes it go farther and it makes it spin, which I and I can play that ball a lot better. Yeah, all of my coaches have been trying to get me to play Titleist, and I have tried. I've tried my hardest, and I just cannot hit it. I've always been a Callaway Chrome Soft from the beginning. Um, it just feels like a lot more easier to compress too, which is interesting. But um, it feels softer when you hit it too. Not so because I. I can't really hit the bar, the ball that far, so when I hit it good, it feels like it's compressing, and yeah. That's why I'm so bad at golf. It's all the recycled <laughs> balls. We I, yeah, I'm just playing whatever ball I found in the woods when I was looking for that other one that I couldn't find. That's usually where I find my Titus Pro V1s, because I'm not buying those clubs. Yeah, they're expensive. Yeah. But then it's hilarious, because then I'll find myself using the one Pro V1 that I found on the water hole. And buy. Like, it's, why would you use it? Well, I mean, if you're buying them, why not use them? That's my yeah. sort of theory with it, is, like, why have nice things if you're not going to use it? Yeah. I love my Pro-P1Xs. I will never trade those for anything yeah. else. <laughs> no, I'm saying. All right, we, got, we just got to get sponsors can, now, so they're free. I taking notes here. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got any, uh, oh, that's the other, I just wanted to ask you guys about state finals this weekend. I mean... Obviously, this is this today was your guys' last con- or competition before state finals. Right. What's the mood going in, and what are you guys what are you guys hoping to shoot? That's really difficult because <laughs> I, my personal goal is to be either top five or top three in the state. Um, last year, I placed top ten, and it was good then. But the weather was so brutal. I mean, it was snowing, raining, hailing. Um, so it was. I think this year I can pull probably 77, that's my goal, 77, 75-ish. But with the weather, the way it's looking, I feel like that can be accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm super excited going into this weekend because it's, I, I don't know, I really like state finals and where we're going, I really like that course. You guys are at Acres East, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope to be, like my goal right now is to be top 10. But, I mean, if I'm top five, great. My, I just want to set the small goal of top ten, and I think I can accomplish that. I mean, I don't really do score goals because sometimes I become too focused on the score while I'm on the course, but um, I would like to be in the mid to high 70s okay. both days. Yeah. Forest Acres, you can probably shoot that on Forest Acres. It's a lot easier than yes. West. Yeah, no, that's, that's for that's sure. I, I was, do like West, though. I do, too. The greens on West are incredibly fast. All right. <laughs> That is going to lead us into the Freaky Fast Five, a nod to our sponsor at Jimmy John's, where we give them five kind of rapid-fire questions and see what, they, see what they come up with. So, James, I'll start off first. This is going to be an easy one. What is the hardest course you've ever played, and what is a favorite course that you've ever played? My most favorite course I've ever played was probably Trump National down in Miami, Florida. Um, it was such an amazing experience. I mean, we're so used to golfing up here that, you know, the greens are so different down there. Um, the fairways are just incredibly, like, they look pristine and perfect. So I think that was just a really, really cool experience. Um, I would also say that it was probably one of the hardest courses I have played. Um, everything was just, like, you're going for the pin. Like, you're either for the pin or you're just in the water or in just in trouble. So that was definitely. <laughs> so I have really played mostly locally, but... One of the hardest courses I've ever played is the Bear, and Kingsley Club is a little bit challenging, but one of the courses I have not yet played but have seen is Crystal Downs, and Crystal Downs is very, very hard. Uh, But one of my favorite courses to play, I really like playing Lock and Heath. Lock and Heath is a fun course to play, because the greens are super hard, but you get to uh, play really fun, creative shots, which I really like to do. Yeah, it makes you think a little bit more. I like it. So if you, if you ran golf, the PGA, LPGA, whatever, what rule would you change in golf? They sort of changed the ones I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, which ones? Um, 
like you're now allowed to ground your club in a penalty area, which is nice. Um, you before you weren't allowed to do that, and then. Well, I mean, they made a 12-stroke max, which is really nice for tournaments, <laughs> so that they keep, they keep pace of play. I would say grounding your club in a bunker. I think oh, I think yeah. that would definitely, like, because it's really hard yeah. to, like, practice your swing with your club raised above the ground, and then right when you get in there, like, you biff it or whatever. You're like, it doesn't, it's not, yes. yeah, it's not the same. So I would yeah, definitely I, probably change that. I just wondered why they made that rule. I didn't know that was a rule until they changed it, honestly. I was really? I was grounding all the time when I was, oh, oh yeah. I <laughs> and you're not allowed to practice swing either. Yeah, right. I, well, out of the no. sand, had no idea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would want to change it, but at the same time, I feel like not grounding it in the bunker also shows a lot of skill that, like, that you're able to hit those kind of shots even if, you're not allowed to ground it. I'm trying to think of one that I would want to change. Oh, out of bounds always sucks, but. Like. And especially if it's like this much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually found oh, my yeah. ball and it's like right here. Yeah. That's the worst. Yeah, it's not It's not like an area you can pull it up. It's out of bounds. Right, yeah. but I think they changed it on some, like, for some local rules that you can take it back on the line of flight um, to the fairway and take your two clubs from there. So you don't have to take complete stroke and distance, but that's a, like a local rule if they employ it. All right, this is a funny one. <laughs> a, a penguin walks through the door right now with a sombrero on. Why is he here and what does he say? Your round just is, was awful today. <laughs> you need to, no, I'm just kidding. He's, He's going to say, I'm lost. <laughs> he seems pretty lost. So you, you need to go south and practice more. Yes. Once it gets cold. Yes. Is that what he's saying? Yes. Yes. All right. The rule change one was one I had. That's all you had? <laughs> all right. Clay and I use a rule that uh, if, if your ball doesn't go uh, more than one club length away from you, that it doesn't count. More than one. If, like, if you whiff it, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. keep well, on going. Well, you yeah. know, normally what I'll do on that is I'll just go with, you know, as the PGA insisted, this was a practice swing. I accidentally hit my ball. Because that's a new rule, too, is that yeah. if, if they're on the tee box, if they're doing a practice swing and the ball falls off the tee, it's not a stroke. Yep, right. So weigh your options. There we go. All right. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? Probably over time. Sorry. <laughs> would, you, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? 100 duck-sized horses. Okay. Because you could stomp on them. <laughs> well, would, would, it, would it change if you had a golf club to defend yourself? <laughs> oh like, no, I would go with the hundred ducks. Wait, yeah, duck-sized horses. Well, I mean, we got to think like those horses that's are fast. That's a hundred of them, right? Well, like those are little miniature. Just because they're some smaller yeah. doesn't mean that they're not horses anymore. It's true, right? You know, probably pretty meaty. Yeah, but I mean, probably it, a bunch of them could knock you over. <laughs> could it be like a pony? <laughs> Something along the lines. But we're both. But you're both going. With the the quantity, not the yeah yeah. Okay. I think that and the easier. size too. They're smaller. Yeah. They're a lot so. smaller. Yeah, I mean horses are bigger than any human being could yeah. ever. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how I'd even begin to fight. No, I'd just run away. A horse-sized duck. <laughs> I'd run away. But the the horse-sized duck you could probably run away from. That's true because it's gonna waddle. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. waddle. But yeah. the hundred duck-sized horses, you ain't running away they're, from that. Yeah, they're that's coming. True. In. Just, that's a tough one. I know. But then of course you know the big duck, the big horse-sized duck could fly. Oh, yeah. I don't know how what? much it could fly. <laughs> you don't know. You got any other good ones? Because I, I do want to, well, here's one. We have some weird ones. Since we this. didn't actually get into it and you kind of both scoffed at the idea, I need you to tell me about the worst shot you've ever taken. Oh, oh that's so <laughs> I've probably taken a lot of them, but I, I sort of buried that deep. Is every shot that turns out bad the last worst shot you've ever taken? You know what? I actually have one. It wasn't even a shot. It was just a putt. And it was at regionals. And, <laughs> yeah, Emily nope. knows exactly what I'm talking about. The first putt. I was on in reg on a par four. So I was, I'm like, okay, two putt, let's leave. I hit my putt, went right past the hole, hit my second putt, thinking I would make it. And it went probably two feet in front of the hole. And then I missed that putt. Missed it. And I'm not even joking. It was, like, probably the length of your finger. And I, mi and I missed it. Yeah, because I was so upset. Oh, Motion's yeah. getting the best of you. Yep. And I just walked off that course, laughed it off, and just went on. Oh, yeah. yeah. It hurt. That's a painful one. Yeah, it hurt. Oh, I can tell you even more painful one. I Last year at regionals, I was on number 12 on um, Spruce Run. 
And I'm pretty sure I five or six putted that green because it was a sucker pin. Mm. And, like, I literally started crying at, on the green. I was like, how is this even possible? That. I that. Yeah, it was awful. I think oh, that goodness. was one of my worst holes. Sequences. Like, yes. Oh, my gosh. It was like, can you just go in? Like, <laughs> at this point, like, can I just place it in the yeah. hole? Okay, we got one more question. Okay, so without throwing anybody under the bus, what's the worst reaction you've seen somebody else have after a bad shot? Oh, man, you don't um, want to see me on a golf course. I've heard, seen a couple of people snap clubs over their knees or over, like, I don't know, no, over their knees, yeah. I've seen a couple of people do that. I just, um, after a girl um, ended her putt, she just sat on the edge of the green and just started crying. I'm just mm. like, okay, I'm <laughs> heading on to the next hole. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll leave you there for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Get yourself yeah. together. Yep. I think about a month ago, I threw my pitching wedge. <laughs> I mean, I just just threw it. I mean, this thing went like probably at least 100 feet and hit a tree in midair. Oh, my god! And then I went and got it, and it was still perfectly straight. Thank oh, God. Dang. That is what? lucky. Yeah, very. All right, I have one more. I have one more bonus question. I just thought of it. All right. Okay. Have you guys almost ever hit somebody? Yes, yes, I actually hit my grandma. You hit your grandma? Yes, it was awful. I remember it was a par four, and I hit my drive to the right, and she was standing there. I yelled four as loud as possible, and she just looked up, and it hit her right in the head. Yeah, it was awful. I felt <laughs> so bad. Oh, she, she's like, I'm cup. fine, I'm fine. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it was awful. <laughs> you, you, you ever nearly killed anybody? <laughs> I've hit a... Um, Actually, I can remember. Oh. Okay, so it was number three on Wolverine. Um, I remember I hit like I. This must have been my freshman year. I don't even know what shot it was, but I remember hitting it right, and it hit my coach's cart like and it went like sort of inside, and then it came out. But I almost hit her. And then another time, I was on the range. I think this was my freshman year. I hit um, our captain in the ankles because I. Sh- went straight off to the side and shanked it into her ankle. I mean, I've been hit twice by oh, in the ankles, too. like oh, yeah. off of chipping greens, like before a tournament. Two people have done it. Or off me. the driving range. I mean, oh, people yeah. can be animals out there. <laughs> They're just they don't going. Even need, or sometimes, like, they just hit it and it just goes. I'm like, yeah. what was that? Uh, <laughs> Be happy that you're with other people who are pretty good at golf. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how often you golf with 120 years, but it's yeah. it's ugly. <laughs> Craig Miller hit one one time, and Harrison and I were sitting in the in the cart, and we're behind him, I think, and he's hitting out of the fairway or trying trying to hit back on the fairway, and somehow he hit his ball in our cart. It like oh. hit it like hit me in the forearm. Oh my god! And oh my lands goodness. in our cart. I, I. Uh. I'm scared of golf balls now. <laughs> but I, I, we want to send another big thank you to Petoskey's Ashley Lamb and Traverse City's Emlyn Munch. Thank you guys both so much for joining us today. It was a blast, and good luck this weekend at State Finals. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. <laughs> big thank you to Traverse City Central's Emlyn Munch and Petoskey's Ashley Lamb there good stuff from those good, uh, two exceptional golfers. Uh, that interview is brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak yeah. You know what that means. Since we're on the topic of Jimmy John's, we are gonna get the people fed. Get you fed. We are gonna get you fed. As always, we choose one of our loyal Audible viewers slash listeners, whatever you want to call yourself, one of our our lovely constituents, to two free Jimmy John subs for interacting with our podcast on social media. That'd rather be Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Wherever you find us, interact with us, and we will find you. But if you interact with us, especially on Facebook, make sure that your share settings aren't to private because there's been a few times over the last couple of weeks where we've had several people show up as a share, but we can't even see who they are because they have their settings. You want two free subs? Maybe change the privacy settings just for that post, something like that. But either way, this week's winner is Connie Kroll of Glen Lake. Pretty sure it is actually the mom of our, our uh, guest last week. But we were able to find her on Facebook, and, you know, appreciate you sharing, as always. And I uh, hope everybody out there in Glen Lake liked last week's podcast. So remember to share, like, comment, gif, 
downvote, whatever you want to do. Just just interact Look, with don't us. Don't downvote. What, whatever you want That's to do. That's not nice. If you downvote, maybe, maybe we'll pick you. At least you're honest. Who knows? But that is going to lead us into the Hall of Fame. We're going to induct another member into the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. While I cue the music here, we have four nominations this week. I got two. You got two. Let's go one, 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 one. You go first. Who's your first nomination this week? Uh, Logan Finnerty from Johannesburg, Lewiston. Um, he had a massive game. I think this might be the most rushing yards in a, in a single game we've had this season. Yeah, second most in school history. Yeah, second most in school history. 326 rushing yards on 12 carries. Uh, ran for four touchdowns, and if I'm, I'm trying to remember these off the top of my head, but they were, I think, 85, 75. 77 and 63 or something like that. Yeah, one of them was like 55 or something okay. like that. But, but he had, all four of his touchdown runs were like over 50 yards. And Andy did this with the flu. Andy did it with the flu. Yeah. So like, it's like the like, Jordan flu game. You play your best when, yeah. you, when you need it the most. Like he didn't tell Joe Smokovich that he puked before the game until afterwards. That's hey, that that's good practice. Good practice. You don't don't if you don't want to miss something, don't tell somebody you're puking. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my my first nomination. I guess we'll stay on the football side. I'm gonna go with Owen Graves from that Kingsley game that I was at last week. I mean, he was the difference maker in that game. We talked about how Aiden Mullen was kind of taken out of it, but five total touchdowns, four on the ground, one through the air. I mean, his his yardage wasn't that uh, that impressive with only 98 yards on the ground, 26 yards receiving. But that had a lot to do with Glen Lake or Kingsley's defense giving them good field position all night long. Uh, but as I talked about earlier, Graves just made people miss, and uh, he couldn't be stopped on, on Friday night, so he's definitely a willing, worthy candidate. Who's your next one? Uh, we're going to go to Cadillac and Macy Brown. They finished second at the Mount Morris tournament this weekend. She had 76 kills in one tournament. Yeah. Uh, and, and also just threw in like 47 digs, six Casually. assists, three aces, two blocks. Casually. You know, no big deal. That's a lot of kills. 76 is a ridiculous amount. All right. Last nomination from me is going to be the Traverse City West golfer on CD. Just this past week, uh, she won that regional title individually and helped lead the Titans to the team regional title. She won by 16 strokes over the next closest competition. That's why we were talking not too long ago if on CD might be able to walk away with this. James, we have to agree on one of these people. Yeah, we can't really vote because we probably just have one one ties the whole way. We right? just, we just, yeah, we just have to agree. I'm just gonna pick somebody. I, all right, I'm just gonna put my vote out there. How about this? How about we say it on three? Say who you want on three. Ready? Or I, I, I'm three. So one. After I get done with three, you say it. Ready? One, two, three. Finnerty. Okay. There we go. That was the <laughs> that was a shotgun vote if I've ever heard one. James and I, just both. I, th- I think Owen Gray's gonna have a pretty good shot in the spring, even rest of the football season. But I mean, oh. baseball. Yeah, he's, he's a very he's good baseball good, player, too. Yeah. But anyways, congratulations to Logan Finnerty from Johannesburg, Lewiston. You are the newest member of the most exclusive club in northern Michigan, the Get Around Hall of Fame, thanks to your 326 rushing yard performance with 450-plus yard touchdowns. All right, so we got Finnerty in. That means we only have one more segment left, and that is the trifecta, even though there's only two of us. I already, pro- I already posed this question at the beginning of the episode, hoping that all of our listeners could think about it before we got here, hoping you could think about it before we got here. But if there was only one sport that was to survive in the United States of America, what would you want it to be? As far as like being on television? Or just no, the like, only people, that's one, all you could play? That's all you can play. There's one sport left. Oh. I, I was going to say, as a viewer, it would be football. It would have to be football. But football's not something that, like, everybody can play or wants to play, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, then I guess I, if it was something that ev- you want, hmm. I would say, I guess I would change my answer then to basketball. Basketball? Hey, I... But... That would mean... Yeah, that, that would be if it, good. Because if it's just viewing, I would say football. Yeah, but that would, that would be good. There would be youth. There would still be college. There would still be pro. Um, all good, high level. I don't know. I'm a football nut, dude. The only thing that sucks is that that, that would be great because if it was the only sport, then we would have enough athletic bodies to run through football teams. Everybody would, there would be enough kids here and there that, you know, you could put in a new person every other play or every other series would be good enough. Well, you know, James. Maybe next, maybe next week we'll have three people and it'll be a real trifecta. Maybe, maybe. But for the 97th episode, 
there was only two of us. I think we did a pretty good job. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to join us next week so we can tell you how our guests on this week, on this week's podcast, Ashley Lamb and Emlyn Munch did at the Gulf State Finals. Check back in with us as soccer districts are well underway and uh, the rest of the playoffs get started. So once again, thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week.